ready for the word tonight? Let's open our Bibles to the book of Proverbs, please, chapter 4, and we will begin reading at the 20th verse, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 20. This is God's prescription for healing and health. And here the, the writer says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. The word health there in verse 22 is the Hebrew word marpe, and it is translated in some other places in the Bible as medicine. And I like to uh, remember that when I'm quoting or reading this verse. His words are life unto those that find them and medicine to all our flesh. They uh, tell us that probably about one of, the, well, one of the top three of all advertisers, for instance, on television, has to do with pharmaceuticals, medicine, and that kind of thing. And of course, if you watch any television, uh, you probably have seen more than you want to see of commercials telling you to talk to your doctor about whatever, fill in the blank. And uh, of course, uh, it's, it's a big deal. It's big money. It's big business. And it seems that we have more medicines than we've ever had but we seem to be sicker as a nation than maybe we've ever been. Something isn't working, but I have good news for you tonight, and I want to tell you that I have found something that does work. God's medicine works, praise the Lord. God's medicine works. Now, each and every one of us decides what we believe. It's a decision. It's not something that just happens we actually decide what we believe. And our beliefs are always based on what we hear. And what we hear continually is a choice that we make. Whether we've thought about it that way or not, we need to start thinking about it that way. Because when you choose what you hear, you're choosing that which you're going to believe. It's impossible to believe something that we have no knowledge of. For as F.F. Bosworth said in his book, Christ the Healer, we've got it over here on the wall, faith begins where the will of God is known. So if we believe the Bible, and I trust that on a Wednesday night in a Pentecostal church, that would be everybody. If we believe the Bible is God's word, then we know that sickness did not enter until the fall. We know that sickness not only did not enter until the fall, but sickness is actually a product of the fall. It's a result of sin's entrance into our world. And what that also means is sickness is from the devil. I want to say that again. Just shake up the devil and a lot of Christians, it's sad, but they don't really want to hear that. For some reason, it's not a religiously traditional thing to say. But um, sickness is from the devil. 
it is never a blessing. I know I'm using a lot of absolutes here tonight, but these are truths. Sickness is never a blessing. It's always a curse. It's from the devil. And by the way, we have been redeemed from the curse. Do you know that? Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians 3.13 and 14. Well, if you want a comprehensive list of what the curse of the law looks like, just go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 28. And in that chapter, you'll find that one of the major parts of the curse was sickness and diseases of every kind. As a matter of fact, so many were listed. The chapter is a very long chapter, but it finally comes toward the end of the chapter and just kind of sums it up by saying, and every sickness and every disease is not even mentioned here or listed here. I'm paraphrasing, but you can read it for yourself. That's a part of the curse. So I want to say it again because I want this to soak in, sink into your spirit. I want you to get your mind renewed to this. I want you to think in this way. Sickness, disease, is from the devil. It's never a blessing. It's always a curse, which, by the way, we have been redeemed from. And it is a curse to be resisted as steadfastly as you would resist any sin that you would be tempted to commit. It is to be resisted just as steadfastly as anything else that the devil would try to bring to you. If by some strange twist of circumstances, the UPS man showed up at your doorstep tomorrow, knocked on your door, and had a box for you that had a little uh, grade upon it that you could kind of see through a screen, and you saw inside there were probably three or four good-sized rattlesnakes and said, this is a delivery for you, would you accept it? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. And I'm here tonight to tell you that that's exactly what the devil does whenever he tries to bring anything of the curse to you. It's just like somebody bringing you a box of snakes. And what you and I have to learn to do is resist those things. And I would just encourage you, don't wait to resist. Don't give the devil a, a toehold. You know, the Bible says, uh, I think it's in, is it uh, Philippians? Maybe somebody can help me with where it actually is. It says, give, neither give place to the devil. Ephesians 4.20 what? Ephesians 4.27. Thank you. Neither give place to the devil. The word place there is the word topos. We get the English word topography from it. It means don't give the devil a bit of ground. If you allow the devil any space into your life and you allow him in and you allow it to go unresisted, un it will be more difficult to get him out. I heard somebody say one time, if you let the devil ride, he'll want to drive. You let him ride along, you think he's going to sit over there and be quiet. No, he wants to have the wheel. He wants, he wants to steal and kill and destroy in every life. And so what we have to learn to do is learn to resist steadfastly in the faith anything that's from the devil, including sickness and disease. 
And since sickness and disease is never from God, and that's a big statement, isn't it? And I know that many of you, you've settled that a long time ago, but you might be surprised how many people have really never settled that issue. They are just not sure. They're just not sure. Could this affliction, could this pain, could this chronic ailment, could this situation possibly be from God for some reason? And if he didn't send it, is God allowing it? Which is basically a religious way of saying God's allowing it and won't, won't let me get free from it for some reason. I'm telling you all that is bunk and baloney. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. Sickness and disease is never from God. And it is never his will for you to be sick, to be diseased, to be afflicted. Which means then that we should never accommodate it. We should never get used to it. We should never allow ourselves to expect it and never in any way accept it or plan for it. Sickness and disease never brings God pleasure, never brings God any glory, and we just simply don't have to put up with it. And it really doesn't matter if you're listening to me tonight and you put up with something for 40 years, 60 years, 70 years, 3 years, or 3 hours. It really doesn't matter. You can get rid of anything the devil tries to bring if you will get in the frequency that God wants you to get in with your faith and you will obey the Lord. You know, all through the Bible, you see different people with different things getting miracles from God. And I think about the man who had been afflicted for 38 years. I think about the woman bowed over with the spirit of infirmity for 18 years. I think about the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5 who had been afflicted for 12 long years. You see, it doesn't make any difference. I believe with all of my heart that God had those things recorded just so that people in, even in our day could look back and see that it really doesn't matter how long you've been afflicted. It doesn't matter how long you've had it. It doesn't matter what runs in your family. It doesn't matter any of those things. God's power is greater. His grace is greater. And his will is that you be free. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Sickness and disease never brings God any pleasure or glory. And we simply don't have to put up with it. You know, if somebody walked in my house tonight and said, I believe you've got an extra room or two. I think I'm just going to move in. And by the way, I want coffee in the morning at 7, and there better be some eggs and bacon at 7.30. You know, that just wouldn't go over too well with Glenna. <laughs> I've tried it. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. But, you know, that wouldn't go over. You're not going to let anybody do that. I mean, Glenna gets mad if, some, if somebody lets their dog poop in the yard. <laughs> Much less somebody move in and start making all kinds of demands. <laughs> That's not going to I don't like it either, by the way. But, uh, you know, you all think I pick on Glenna. We have this wonderful arrangement, and so <laughs> praise the Lord. It's worked well for 48 years. Why well, stop now? But... You don't have to put up with this stuff. Over a hundred years ago, there was a pioneer of the modern era uh, healing ministry, 
a man by the name of John Alexander Dowie, and he was a Scotsman who ended up in Australia pastoring a church there, and the bubonic plague came into Australia in a very devastating way. And many of the people in his church died, and he had buried so many people that one day he finally went back to his church, into his study, and he just basically just cried out to God. He said, God, is all my congregation going to die? And in that process of just bearing his soul to God and reaching out with his spirit unto the Lord, he received a revelation that would forever change his life. And that is the revelation that the devil is the afflictor and Jesus is the healer. He immediately began to preach this to his people and never buried another church member with the plague. He came to America later and he, he founded the city that we now know as Zion, Illinois. And not only did uh, Dowie minister to many, many people, but there are names that you, some of you might recognize some of these names that were affected by his ministry. Uh, Lillian B. Yeomans, wonderful material on the subject of healing. She was a medical doctor who left the medical profession and began to minister divine healing. Uh, some of you have heard of Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas, a great Bible school there. Um, Gordon Lindsay, the founder, he had a connection back to Zion, Illinois. We quote from F.F. F. Bosworth's book over here, Christ the Healer. Bosworth had a connection to Dowie through Zion, Illinois. It's, uh, it's amazing how that there was a wave and, it, and it, it came into being alongside and coinciding with the great Pentecostal revival. And to this day, people like me and many others were preaching, teaching divine healing today. But he made this statement, and that's what I want to get to here. And I thought, I th you know, you'll, you'll sense the, uh, the antiquity, if you will, of, of the way, the, 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 the grammar, the language. But it's so, so good. He made this statement. Sickness is the foul offspring of its mother's sin and its father, Satan. That's a pretty good saying. Sickness is the foul offspring of its mother's sin and its father, Satan. And so once you get a revelation of where sickness comes from, who is the afflictor, and a revelation of who is the healer, you will never view this subject the same way again. And of course... Satan is the afflictor, but on the other hand, Jesus, who is unchanging, Hebrews 13, 8, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, that means he's the healer yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm submitting to you tonight that our need and our responsibility as a believer is to find out how to receive this blessing from God. And I want to give you a little warning don't fall into the trap of trying to persuade God to be who he already is. You don't have to beg God to be a healer. He's already volunteered. You don't have to wonder if it's his will. He's already expressed his will. When he spoke in his word, he meant what he said and said what he meant. He didn't take it back, and he will not lie or go back on his word. My responsibility is not to try to persuade God to be who he already is. But my responsibility is to accept what he offers freely. 
to accept it. And healing, like all other redemptive blessings, is received by grace through faith. It's not a matter of works, and it's not a matter of feelings. Now I'm going to ask you a question, and you know, I don't do this often. I ask questions from time to time, but most of the time I'll tell you, don't raise your hand or whatever. I don't want to embarrass people. But this is important, and it needs a response. And uh, my hand will be up, by the way, so you don't have to feel like you're getting trapped. My hand will be up. But here's the question. How many of you have had times when you di didn't feel saved? You didn't feel saved, all right? That's most, if, most hands, I guess, at least. Now let me ask you another question. How many of you know that even though you didn't feel like you were saved, according to God's word, you were saved? And you are, okay. That's exactly the way healing works. A lot of people miss healing because they're waiting on a feeling. And more than a feeling of emotion or mental relief, what they're actually waiting on is a feeling in their body that they feel like they're healed. And they think that if they feel healed, excuse my accent if I'm confusing you, but if they feel, F-E-E-L, like they're healed, H-E-A-L-E-D, then when that happens, when they feel like it, when the symptoms leave or when the tests show something different or whatever the case may be, then they're going to say, I believe I'm healed. Then they're going to say, I'm healed. Then they'll testify. Then they'll get happy. Then they'll rejoice. But I'm here tonight to tell you that there is no faith in that approach and it never works. Just like when you don't feel saved. And I don't want you to raise your hand on this one, but how many of you have ever acted like you weren't saved? You don't, don't raise your hand on that one. But mine will go up. Now, here's the point. You can't base healing on your feeling. It's a good little rhyme. Healing is first and foremost a spiritual impartation that then, and sometimes it's instantaneous, but sometimes it's a process, but it is a, a spiritual impartation that then affects us on the outside. It starts inside, and it works its way out. I was just reading yesterday, I think it was, the verse about working out your salvation. And that's not talking about working for your salvation. What that was talking about is to work what's inside out. Get what's inside of you to the outside of you. And in a great degree, that's the way healing works. It starts inside and then works its way to the outside. And so just like you receive salvation by grace through faith, not based on feelings and certainly not based on our works, not based on what we earned or what we deserved, so healing is the same way. And I've found that this is a very difficult point for believers uh, to, to really grasp and, and believe. We try, but uh, we need to try harder because what we really need to do is renew our mind to it. Because this is one of those things, if you don't renew your mind to it, you really won't believe it. And here's what it, I'm trying to say. Here's what it is. 
Healing is never based on how good you are. It's never based on how many works you've done. It's never based on you or me earning it. Let me say it this way. It's never based on what I deserve. A lot of people miss healing because they, they come to God with this attitude, well, you know, I've not missed Sunday school in three years. You know, it's, you know I'm just so humble. I let people walk all over me. And I just do for people, and I give, and I give. You know, I mean, you know, I know I'm being a little bit facetious, but people kind of have that attitude, kind of secretly in the back of their mind. They're wanting God to see how holy they are. And, you know, you can get in trouble when you go down that pathway. It's like the guy, you know, that the church awarded him the, the humble button. And then the next week he wore it to church and they took it away from him. Because how can you be humble and wear a button that says you're the most humble person in the church? You really, you can get messed up when you start playing the game of who deserves what. And I promise you that if you hang around a move of God where there's a supernatural uh, a hand of God moving in a congregation, that things will happen, including healings, for people that you didn't think ought to get it. They just didn't look the part. They didn't act the part. You didn't think they had, you know, they, they didn't have enough seniority to get that. Yeah. I mean, I've been serving God for 35 years. This person comes in in 35 days, they get a miracle. What's up? I'll tell you what's up. Faith. Just throwing yourself on the mercies of God. And I'm not talking about a license to do bad things expecting good results. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that when you come to God, and you just know that you cannot earn this, but you also know you can receive it, then you're getting positioned for God to do something great in your life. Now, all these things that I've been saying here, all these pretty bold statements, pretty um, uh, direct statements about sickness never being from God, never giving God glory, it's from the devil that... Uh, you know, all of, that we don't need to put up with it and all of that. It's all true. But obviously, this is not how most people think. This is not how most Christians think. And that's because they have not yet renewed their minds to the biblical way of thinking about this subject. I want you to go to Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2 to a verse that we referred to from time to time here. You've heard it before. You've read it before probably. But we're going to read it again. Paul told the Philippians, you know, that for me to write the same things to you is safe. There's real safety in hearing the word you've already heard watered again. Real safety. You know, if you're in a congregation where every week it's a brand new revelation... <laughs> you're probably in a weird place. <laughs> you're probably in the wrong place. I heard a man say one time, if it's, if it's new, it's not true. Now, you know, I understand. It could be new to me. It could be new to you. But if it's something nobody's ever heard of, <laughs> I think I'll pass. Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, 
Don't be squeezed into the mold of the world. That's what that means. But be ye transformed. And the Greek word there gives us our English word metamorphosis, which is the process of the caterpillar that's ugly and creepy and slimy looking, turning into the beautiful winged butterfly. So this is the, this is like total transformation. Doesn't even look the same. You need to get this tonight. Don't let this slip by you. Renewing your mind to the word of God will so change you that you won't even look the same anymore. If you persist in renewing your mind to the word of God, there'll come a time when people that knew you as the caterpillar will not recognize you as a butterfly. I said, well, I knew you. You were humping around eating leaves. Now you're, now you're flying around to beautiful flowers. Be not conformed. Don't be squeezed into the mold of the world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how this kind of transformation takes place. You see, you got that kind of a change in your spirit when you were born again. The change you could not do, God did for you and for me. I couldn't save myself. I couldn't get myself born again. I could not regenerate myself. So God did it for me. But here's the thing you've got to know. He's not going to renew your mind without your cooperation. He'll give you everything you need to do it. He'll give you the tools. He'll show you how. He'll even connect you with the right materials and the right people so that you can get your mind renewed. But you and I have to discipline ourselves to do this. And it's sad, but a lot of people come to churches that preach and teach healing or they go to healing crusades or healing meetings and... They've done nothing to renew their mind, nothing much to prepare themselves. They don't know anything about believing God. They don't understand how faith works. They don't have time for all of that teaching. They don't, they don't want that. What they want is somebody else to pray a quick prayer and get their miracle for them. Sometimes that works for spiritual babies, and even it works in the number of cases for people that aren't even saved. But I've been pastoring for over 40 years full time and I can tell you that for most people in a quote full gospel, Pentecostal, word of faith, charismatic, whatever term you want to use, church. If they've been there very long and they've been saved a long time, almost a hundred times out of a hundred, they're going to have to use some faith. And if they're unwilling to renew their mind to the word of God, which is the source of our faith, then they're going to probably do without. And they're going to go ahead and keep wondering why they don't get it, why somebody else got it. And eventually that wondering many times turns into frustration and the frustration turns into anger and people actually get angry at God. And they get very frustrated. And of course that just compounds the problem because faith works by love. You can't be mad at God and receive from him at the same time. But you see, many people have not renewed their minds. And he says here, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When people don't know the will of God in any area, if I don't know the will of God in any area, then it just simply means that I need to practice verse 2 a little more. 
I need to get myself to the place where my mind is renewed and I can hear what the Lord is saying. Renewing of the mind is essential in order for faith to operate. The problem we come to when we minister healing without teaching healing and we try to minister healing without ministering the principles of faith and we try to minister healing without teaching people how the anointing works and how it flows is that we're really in many cases if we're not going to be thorough and if people will not cooperate with the word of God and the spirit of God and, and, and a man or a woman of God for their healing then many times what it's like is trying to teach a drowning man how to swim you can't do that you can't teach a drowning man to swim the desperation of the moment the impending death that of the moment makes the drowning person basically go berserk as we might say and flailing and and all of that doesn't save and a lot of people are kind of like that where their their healing is concerned especially if it's something very serious something that's incurable or something that the doctors call terminal a lot of people kind of go into that mode that mode they're they're like a drowning man and you know you can't teach a drowning man how to swim you have to learn to swim when you're not drowning Amen? P.C. Nelson told a group of ministers many years ago, and they were ministers, so they had obligations to study and prepare to feed their congregations from the Word of God. But he told them as ministers to always feed along the lines of faith and healing, in addition to whatever else you may be reading or studying. He said, because the time will come when you or somebody you love is going to need it. And if you haven't fed, he called it feeding, on these things, you'll be at a disadvantage, he said. He didn't say it would be impossible. I'm not saying to you it's impossible. But I'm just saying it's a whole lot easier when we're sitting here on the 30th day of August, 2023, in an air-conditioned room, and none of us are writhing in pain, and, and none of us are... Uh, are so sick we can't be here it is a whole lot easier to get hold of these truths and renew your mind to them now than to wait till you are writhing in pain now I'm not telling you that if you believe in healing you'll never be attacked I'm not telling you to never go to a doctor I'm not telling you to not use medication I'm not telling you to throw away all your medicines I'm not, I'm not telling you anything crazy like that but I am telling you that God's medicine can get you to the place where you won't need the other medicine. I remember one time I had a, an attack of kidney stones. And it took me a while to catch on to why I was having them. And, it, it, and you know, in my case, it, it had some direct uh, bearing on, on uh, my diet and uh, what I was drinking and I wasn't drinking beer and liquor I was drinking too much tea and all of that kind of thing and so uh, so I got in trouble with that you know and so one time I was in so much pain that Glenn had hauled me over to the emergency room and so they got me in there they took my blood pressure it was very elevated I mean I was in pain if anybody's ever had a kidney stone you know what I'm talking about 
I mean, you can't, you could not live like that for a long bit of time. It is absolutely horrible. And um, so the place was all packed out, as many times it is, and so they shoved me on a little gurney out in the hallway. Well, it's no fun to be in pain in the hallway and everybody looking at you and going by and all that kind of stuff. And so finally they came to me and they said, we're going to give you something for this pain. And they asked, uh, they asked me, said, have you ever had morphine? And I said, no. And no, I'd never had it. So the guy looked at Glenna. He said, we're getting ready to have some fun, he said. <laughs> So they gave me the medicine, you know, and just in a, just seconds, you could feel that go through your body. And, and uh, you know, finally I passed the kidney stone, long story short, praise God. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, I got in trouble. And my point in saying, giving you that story is twofold. One, one I want to show you that just because you're a preacher and you preach healing doesn't mean the devil's not going to attack you. Thank God for victory. Can you say Amen. And number two, I want you to know that when you are in so much pain that you need morphine, then you probably aren't ready for a Bible lesson. <laughs> you know, you're probably not going to be able to sit through 30, 40 minutes of somebody teaching about healing. And my whole point in all of this is to say build and develop your faith before you need it. I wish I could tell you you will never need it or, no one, or that no one you ever love will ever need it. But I wouldn't be honest with you to tell you that. And I, I wish we were all perfect and we never left any gates open or doors open or windows open that, you know, the devil's so persistent and he always tries to get through if he can. And I'm not saying to you and speaking prophetically over you that this is going to happen to you. I'm just saying be on your guard and stay full of the word. So I learned a long time ago, use scripture every day. And that list of scriptures we have printed up out there on a card, and, and you'll notice when you see it that it's, uh, and you may have already have one, it's not a bookmarker because there are too many scriptures for it to be a bookmarker. It, it's like a half of an eight and a half by 11, you know, and, and it's on both sides. And that's really not huge print at that. But those scriptures, Glenn and I have quoted for so many years that I can quote them without reading them. And there are times we're in the car together and I'll start quoting those and we will together quote those to the end. We have put them in. And so when attacks come, we've learned that what's inside needs to be outside. Faith comes by hearing. Faith is released by speaking. So it's not just what you believe, but it's what you believe and what you speak. And so when I'm in that situation where that I'm under attack, I am so thankful that God's word comes out. Another thing comes out is praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues. And I can tell you, if you're desperate enough, you don't care who hears you. So I want to close tonight with just a few uh, uh, things, a couple of questions about this thing, uh, about, along this same line, about God's word, God's medicine, and renewing our mind. I want to ask you a question. This one doesn't need an answer 
directly to me or out loud, but where do you get your information? What are you listening to and to whom are you listening? It's very important that we don't just listen to things that move us emotionally, but that we listen to things that speak to our spirit. You know, I, I didn't come here tonight to entertain you. I, I came here tonight to speak to your spirit. From the spirit of God through my spirit as a minister of the gospel directly to your spirit to produce change. And because we're Pentecostal, charismatic, you know, I, uh, I have to say this as well. Don't get distracted with the sensational and miss the basic supernatural truths that you need. In today's modern media world, there's everything in the world out there. I, I am really amazed sometimes at, you know, just you can scroll down through. I, I, I watch ministry and preaching on YouTube. I'm not a Facebook person. Uh, I just don't have time for all of that. But thank God for all the people on Facebook watching us tonight. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm busy. But anyway, but I find I can quickly go to what I want to do. And I don't have to answer any questions. I don't have to like anything or, you know, or even say that's beautiful. You know what Facebook beautiful is? Not beautiful usually. But anyway, um, we live in such a crazy world. You know, some of you got pictures of your grandparents. They're standing there, you know. Guy's got on a suit and a tie and the, the, the grandma has on a nice dress and they're standing there. You can tell they're serious about getting their pictures taken. Can you imagine a generation from now if Jesus tarries when kids sit down with their grandma and grandma says, that was my lunch. They're looking at pictures. <laughs> that was my lunch. And then, oh, there, that's me in the bathroom mirror taking a picture. I lost four pounds. <laughs> we just live in a different world, folks. Where do you get your information? In that world, we see all kinds of goofy things. All kinds of people that, you know, they, they think they have some great revelation for us, and, and it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. What I want to know is, what scriptures are you standing on? What verses can you quote? What verses excite you? If you're getting excited about other things more than you get excited about the Word, then you might need to change your priorities. Because when the Word speaks, God's talking. And He said that He is our healer. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. The number of thy days thou shalt fulfill. That's the kind of things I get excited about. So if you can't get excited about scriptures you know and are standing on, don't tell me about the other stuff that doesn't really matter. Proverbs 4 20 through 22, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them in health, medicine to all their flesh. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so grateful for the word tonight. Lord, we've delivered what we believe you want us to deliver. And I thank you, Father, that now we all have an opportunity to act on it. 
What are we going to do with what you said to us tonight? What are we going to do with these very plain, very simple, but really very powerful statements from your word, based upon your word? I believe you, Lord, tonight that as we renew our minds to these things, that you are speaking to us. If there are adjustments we need to make, if there are personal issues that we need to deal with, something we need to stop or something we need to start or some kind of adjustment we need to make, that you're dealing with us to do that. We know, Lord, that your power is available. We know your healing mercies have never ceased. We know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that means he's a healer yesterday, today, and forever. So we reach out with our faith now, and we take hold of that which you have for us. Would you do that right now? If you need healing, if you're believing God, you're in the middle of a situation, perhaps, a battle, and you don't, have to, you don't necessarily have to, you know, explain all of it, but the Lord knows where you are. Let's reach out with our faith and say, thank you, Lord, for being my healer. Thank you, Lord, that you're my miracle worker. Thank you that you perform your word. It's my job to believe it, and it's my job to confess it. But it's your job to perform it. You told Jeremiah, I watch over my word to perform it. You watch over your word to make it good. So, Lord, I'm going to give you something to work with. <laughs> I'm going to give you something to work with, Lord. I'm going to give you something to make good in my life. I'm not imposing on you. You want it. You want it. You get glory from performing your word. We're going to give you something to work with, Father. We're going to declare your word and declare your truth in the name of Jesus. Amen.